Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, anyone who want to learn more about local SEO. Welcome. Today we are going to discuss more about local SEO, about Google business profile, about increasing conversions and many other things. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Ben Fisher. How are you? Hey, Anatoly. Thanks for having me, man. A big pleasure. I want to learn more. I'm student on this live, so if someone can share value, you know, <laughs> it catch my attention a lot. So, Ben, before we start, just tell me about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Sure. Um, I'm a dinosaur when it comes to digital marketing. I've been doing this for over 30 years. I started back in 1994. Uh, I'd like to say officially 1996, but truthfully, it was 1994. And um, so, I mean, I've gone through the whole .com. I've worked with local businesses. That's actually where I started. Um, had an agency called TechBad Agency that was exclusively focused on the web hosting market. So my clients included people like HostMonster and GoDaddy and software companies and such. So that was the enterprise kind of side of life. Um, got out of that. And took a little bit of break for a little while and then came back in 2013. And that's when started Steady Demand. Uh, Steady mm -hmm. Demand, actually, funnily enough, we started up as a social media company using Google+, Plus, um, mainly using Google's own engine against them from a ranking purpose. And um, just had figured out, you know, you could teach Google a lot about an entity basically that way with uh, leveraging Google+. Plus. Anyway, when that failed, um, switched over and kind of started working much more in local. Um, we had a bunch of local clients. I didn't know hardly anything about local, actually, at that time. I just knew a little bit, right, just as much as I could from the G Plus side. And um, what ended up happening was is one of our clients got suspended. And I didn't know what a suspension was at that time. And they were a gun, a gun shop out of Sacramento, California. And uh, I did what every poor schmo had to do during those times, and that was call Google support. And uh, Google support at that time, what they were saying was, is that the frontline rep was saying that they were no longer going to allow gun stores to be on Google Maps. And, uh, of course, that didn't make sense to me. So I asked questions like, really? So why? And they said, well, guns kill people. I said, okay, mm -hmm. so uh, are you going to shut down liquor stores? Alcohol kills more people than guns, right? They're like, well, we're thinking about it. It went on and on like that for a little while. Um, and then I asked to speak to a supervisor, and the supervisor echoed the same sentiment back to me. So I went to the uh, forums at that time, and I opened up a thread about my client and about what they were facing and about what Google was saying, and I, needed, I wanted clarification on this, basically. Because uh, it didn't sound right to me that they were just going to ban all gun stores from all over the world like that. And so it didn't make any sense. Um, so after digging in, Joy Hawkins, one of my mentors, went ahead and escalated the thread over to the community uh, managers at that time. And um, basically, they ended up for about three, four months later, they ended up coming back, reinstating my client on Google. 
and also reversing their decision um, based upon removing gun stores from maps. It was actually a thing at that time. They were going to do it. Um, and so I saw that, you know, one person can make a difference is when it comes to, you know, when you're working with Google. And, um, and I wanted more of that. It's like, okay, well, you know, let me go learn and see what else people are, are facing when it comes to Google business profiles and local search. And let me see if I can help people. And uh, over the years, I've done many things like this, a lot of, a lot of them that I can't even talk about. But, um, but it's really exciting to be able to have that kind of impact. And so basically, after I did that, uh, teaching people, Google reached out to me and they said, hey, do you want to become part of this Google Top Contributor Program at that time? And uh, I said, well, yes, of course I would. And so I became part of the, the program. And, um, you know, about six months later, I think they graduated me up to the next level and then the next level. And now I'm all, you know, on the highest level there is, which is the Diamond Google Business Profile Product Expert, which basically just means in their terminology, they state that somebody who is a Diamond Product Expert understands the product inside and out and actually knows more than the community managers themselves, which I find interesting. Um I don't know if I call myself an expert, but Google does. So, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, nice. and, and, and just finally what it gives me uh, and my company is we gives us the ability to work directly with Google, get to get see, to see products and features that are coming out from Google Business Profile uh, well six months to a year before they even come out. We get to beta test products as well, get feedback. And we also get to be able to make a lot of suggestions for changes within the product itself. And then finally, we get to be kind of like canaries in the coal mine. And that is when we see issues with GBP, like for instance, two weeks ago, the contact form was broken in one area, just one. It happened to be an area that my team uses. So we were able to figure that out. We were able to reproduce the error, get the error over to Google. They were able to fix it two hours later. So, mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, so that's it. That's really, that's a lot. Of, that's it. My company, we have 20 people, steady demand, all local SEO basically. And uh, we have uh, four product experts, soon to be five. That'll be actually be the, the most product experts at one company in the entire world. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I love your stories. Yeah. Awesome. Great experience. Ben, I want to ask from, um, I want to start from basic question about uh, difference between local SEO, international SEO, national SEO. So can you tell what kind of difference? Because I see when companies use similar strategies, uh, but uh, it's different, you know, <laughs> for example, oh, yeah. especially about link building. So tell what kind of difference we have. <laughs> so the, the important thing to understand is how local and organic works right because whether you're doing international national ecom it doesn't matter it's organic seo at the, at the end of the day local is local organic is organic so you only have to look at those two components international of course you're adding things like language and you know different types of translations and things like that but that's you know anyway um but so if we look at the local and the organic side the way i like to explain it is very simple is that you got your organic and that's your core Right. This is what you're always going to be optimizing for. You're always going to be driving links. You're always going to be looking at, you know, content, uh, hopefully not AI content, I'm just saying Anatoly. And then you have your local algorithm, which sits on top of the organic algorithm. 
Okay. But the thing is, is why it sits on top is, is because organic can influence local, but local cannot influence organic. So it's not a two-way street. Um, but every time you're building links, every time you're creating new content, every time you're getting, you know, unstructured citations for your website or your brand, uh, anytime you're doing any of those types of activities, it's going to impact local in one way or another. But it, again, like I said, it does not work the other way around. And that is because organic and local basically have two sets of intents. Or, well, it's basically two different intents is really what it is. Local, a local intent is, is that I want pizza near me. You know, I want to find an air conditioner, air conditioning repair guy near me. Um, whereas international, organic, etc., it's for the world. It can have local intent, of course. And that's going to be seen through the local filter. But for the most part, it's going to be for anybody. And that's really about it. That's the basics. Yeah, interesting. Uh, okay, for example, what you choose, if you can choose only one option, uh, a relevant link, uh, but from uh, domain that uh, serves clients in other area districts uh, or uh, irrelevant link but in local area i mean like uh, for example let's imagine uh, florida uh, you you can uh, you need to promote website in florida and uh, but you have two options uh, hmm. outside florida alaska <laughs> and inside florida but irrelevant what you choose <laughs> So, I mean, it, it's a it's a good question because if you have a local irrelevant link, it's not going to help you, okay? Mm -hmm. Because the locale of the website, right, doesn't matter. It's agnostic as far as that's concerned. Um, the content itself, you know, could be about gypsies, right? Mm -hmm. But you're talking about you're a plumber. So, therefore, the relevance score is way, 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 like, doesn't even exist down. Um, and what we know is, is we know that Google cares about relevancy. And relevancy is actually one of the strongest features <clears throat> of local. You got prominence, you got relevance, distance. Mm -hmm. Three things. Yeah. So if you're not paying attention to that relevance, then it's not going to help. So mm -hmm. I would go with the latter. Okay. Uh, if it's hard to find uh, local websites, where you can add your backlinks, what to do? Uh, just uh, to create citations or uh, and ignore link building? No, nothing is impossible. Nothing. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, of course. Uh, with enough uh, ingenuity and um, you can get whatever you want. So when it comes to local link building, you know, there's you can do all things like sponsorships. You can do things where you're working together with another company towards another common goal, right? Um, you know, again, maybe sponsorships. I say sponsorships a lot because they work. They just do. <laughs> you know, even though they are in effect paid links, but they work. Um, charities, you know, organizing events. I mean, if there are no events that you can go that you can sponsor, then start your own. Mm -hmm. um, I remember we we this is like way back in the year two thousand. So mm -hmm. uh, where there was where link building was actually extremely, it was even more difficult than it is today. And I was working for a radio station and they were one of our clients. So we came up with a link building campaign where we were going to do something around the year 2000. And so we got a Volkswagen bug and we wrapped up the bug basically in a whole bunch of, 
you know, different type of artwork. And we held this event called the Y2K bug because it was year 2000, right? Uh, ended up driving, I think, over 83 inbound links from Northern Arizona University and other businesses all around town. So it was perfect. It was great. But that's also an example of an event that you can just pull off by yourself. It doesn't really cost that much. It was just an idea. So uh, so if you're having low, low opportunity, then you create your own opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. You mentioned about AI. And uh, you mentioned in negative way about AI. <laughs> you hope that content you don't create with AI. Can you tell why? Because sure. uh, I think almost content creators use AI and I cooperate with many great specialists who post regularly on Forbes, Investopedia, creative yeah. sites, and all of them, without exception, use AI. So let us know why. <laughs> sure. So a uh, little bit of background about what I know on AI. So I've been playing around with machine learning since 2013. Nice. So, um, you know, in November when ChatGPT really came on the scene with the local large language model, you know, of course, I, like everybody else in the entire world, decided to dig right in and check it out. So um, I speak a lot about AI. You know, I've spoken today about AI at like PubCon. And for instance, I do a lot of speaking at BirdEye about it. I'm going to be speaking about generative search at local SEO for good with Bright Local. So I know a little bit about AI. I also know how Google sees AI because we've been inside of discussions that, you know, where they've talked about AI and we've actually sat down with product managers and how they see AI and what they see the benefits and what they see the negatives are. Uh, the next thing is, is that AI really, it's, again, it's a large language model. It's not really AI. It's just predicting the next set of tokens at the end of the day. Right. But it is great for writers. I will say that. Um, here's where I think it is great for writers and people are going to disagree with me and that's okay. Um, is that I see it as a, an assistant, something that is good to supplement what you do, but not replace what you do. If you know about a topic, you should be able to write about a topic. You shouldn't have to take shortcuts and you shouldn't have to allow something else to write that for you. It doesn't really bolster your standing because you're just having something else write it for you. It's just like giving it to your sister and saying, hey, will you write me an article about, you know, chemistry? But if somebody asks you a direct question about chemistry, now are you going to be able to sit back and actually answer that question? The answer is going to be no. You're not going to, right? Because you just read an article that something else wrote. Google looks at it kind of the same way, by the way. They're looking for experience, expertise, you know, E-E-A-T, right? Authoritiveness, trustworthiness. And AI, for the most part, if you're using it to write 100% of your text, which a lot of marketers are doing these days, then that content may fall into a place where it is not actually useful to users. Okay. And most people who also do that, where they'll let AI just kind of do everything for them and just like post it up like, hey, I wrote a blog post in two seconds. Yeah, I rock. Um, <laughs> I saved, you know, X amount of hours because of that. Well, Google wants useful content. And we all know what happened to thin content back in the days. And the same thing is what we're seeing with AI content. Um, a lot of my friends, you know, we run experiments basically where we got websites which are created with nothing but AI content. And usually what you end up seeing is this. You'll see the content go to the traffic go like this, like this, like this. Ding, da, 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 dance, mm -hmm. dance, down. 
gone. Hmm. Um, because again, uh, what, I, what I didn't say was, is usually when somebody is using it to write all of their content, they also don't spend the time to fact check the content um, or just read it over. You know, again, it, anyway. So, but the point is, is that um, that's what I don't like, right? Is I don't yeah. like that. So, uh, and not to mention, if you think about it at the end of the day, if it all becomes AI content being reading AI content, AI LLMs reading AI content and then distributing that and spitting it out and bring, ingesting it again, kind of know that right now, at least currently, AI kind of goes crazy after it starts seeing too much of its own style of content, how shall I say? Um, it happens with images, for instance. They've been able to prove that. Who knows what would happen with a web full of, of fake content, basically. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah. at the end of the day, let's talk about search. And that is, is that Google wants something that's useful content. So how I express that I support it is if you have, say, um, 800 words that you have written personally, and then you want to supplement that, that's fine. Spin it, read it, edit it, fact check it, make sure it makes sense. Because <laughs> you will see if you start getting over so many tokens, it starts to get kind of weird as far as what the output is. Yeah, nice. Um, you know, using it for things like, you know, doing uh, Google Business Posts at scale, right? I mean, I believe in that, even though it's not something that Google wants, but it's good for that. Uh, review responses edited by a human being at scale, I believe in that. But like somebody who says, I want to create a 200-page website in under 20 minutes with AI, I don't believe in that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. I, I agree because personally, I use a lot AI, but I only edit. I can fit AI with uh, the right data. For example, if you are not sure that AI can provide good data, yeah, you can find this data, collect, sure. uh, submit. And uh, after editing, for example, press releases, we got mentioned on CNN, Business Insider, many other great websites. We edit. I only edit because I'm terrible writer. <laughs> it's better <laughs> for me not to write. But AI can help terrible sure. writers like me, you know, well, Great absolutely. Copy, but if you feed with the right data. Yeah, if you create, if, yeah. you, if you, because I know, if you spend the time to uh, build a prompt, which basically explains your persona, right? Mm -hmm. And then you use that. And then you use either PDFs or, you know, CSVs or et cetera, and load those into Anthropic. I mean, Anthropic is the best for this, by the way, I, hands down. Um, you know, then, <clears throat> then at that point, yes. It's building it off of actual data, but you still need to check it. <laughs> yeah. You still need to check it. I've told Anthropic to check X columns for this type of data. And uh, just a simple touring test of it was, is that uh, not a touring test, but a simple test was I had 50 rows of data in column B. And so I gave that to Anthropic and I said, how many rows of data in column B skip column, skip row one. Mm -hmm. And it said there, it said 22. It was 50. Yeah. You know, it. again, hallucinations. But anyway. Yeah. That is why, yeah, that is why, uh, for example, I can't uh, use AI with topics that I don't understand. For example, if I write about marketing, about ASIO, I can. But if you ask me to write about how to learn French, how to play guitar, 
I, I can't, I can't because I can't check the quality of this content. Uh, yeah, right. you need to understand the topic as well. Uh, and I think, yeah, prompt experts will have the future if they pay attention to specific topics. If they know this topic, they can control it, manage. But if uh, without knowing the topic, I'm not sure you can get great results with AI. Even if you use best practices, the best prompts, <laughs> you need to know the topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You need to know the topic. That's correct. I agree. Yeah. Ben, I want to ask about local SEO. How to compete with uh, big companies? I don't know, like Zillow in uh, uh, real estate, like uh, Starbucks in coffee shop. So can you tell uh, how small uh, shops, uh, websites can compete with big brands? Because if I search for many keywords, local keywords i i see big brands like yelp many others <laughs> and so any tips about that so what you're talking about there though is again is kind of the difference between say the map pack and organic search right mm -hmm. so zillow for instance you know realtor.com etc they're never going to pop up in the mac pack mac pack they're not allowed mm -hmm. you know a real estate agent you know or a real estate group you know or a broker they are allowed because they have a google business profile So what you're going to get is, is like, you know, let's just take real estate. With real estate, you would basically have, you know, at the top, you're going to have your Google screened or Google guaranteed, right? Depending on the, on the industry. And that's going to be the first three top results. And those are the ones that are going to actually get a good majority of the traffic. It's around 30. Well, it's about 30%, I think, is what it is currently. Underneath of that, you're going to get your sponsored ads, right? So there's going to be your general AdWords, your pay-per-click, basically. And then what you're going to get from there is you're going to get your local three-pack. Well, now you've got like 30%, 20%, you know, another maybe 10%, right? So it's about 50% of the makeup of there, maybe. And, uh, and then you'll have your organic results. And that's where you would see your Zillows. So basically, anybody who has the intent to do local or to find somebody locally, has probably already found somebody locally at that point uh, because they've had three different features that they've had to run through basically to get there. Uh, if you haven't, then you're, you're probably, your intent is probably not transactional at this point. So, uh, and we can't look at it as marketers because as marketers, we, we skip by half of that stuff, right? We're just like, doom, doom, doom. we're looking, we're hunting. But as a consumer, consumers don't behave that way. Yeah. So, um, so number one, I'm going to say is that if you're able to get into the category, you want to definitely start up your local services ads. Those convert at around 60%, and the mm -hmm. cost per lead is extremely low. It's like AdWords back in 1997, low. And um, I don't know if you remember back in those days, but it was, it was <laughs> AdWords was fun. AdWords was a lot of fun. Yeah, I paid it like five, ten cents per click. I remember this time. <laughs> yeah, it was nothing. It was nothing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So basically, so anyway, I, I would say yeah. You you definitely want to make sure you do, do local services ads. It doesn't cost anything to get involved. You know, it's just a little bit of time. Go through a background check. Yay. Um, you know, as far as pay per click goes, I don't like pay per click. I don't really believe too much in pay per click. 
Um, I don't like the fact that, you know, somebody can click on an ad and click on multiple ads and things of that nature. And it costs a lot of, yeah, it's too easy to game. So I'm not a fan of it, but however, if somebody needs to generate revenue and they need to generate revenue quickly, you need to play in all three. Right. And then local, uh, local drives usually about 90% of somebody's business. So 90% of leads that are coming inbound are going to be coming from the Google business profile. So being that that is that, I suggest, of course, paying attention to it, even though, and you're going to probably follow a question on this one, even though there's not a lot of levers that you can pull with your Google business profile to rank. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice, nice tips. Uh, I want to ask about uh, optimizing Google business profile. It's interesting. Uh, I often see when the masters can tell, it's simple. What is the problem? I can optimize myself, many suggestions. But uh, when uh, someone asked me to check LinkedIn profile, I see selfish profiles. You know, most profiles are selfish. They don't care about customers, don't care about growing business. They care about themselves to share how uh, these profiles are great. But customers don't care. <laughs> they want to uh, become great. And sure. all profiles need to show how to help and support customers. Can you tell about Google business profile? Best practices, how to optimize, where to pay more attention, and yeah, how to create great profile. Sure. Well, let's get one thing out of the way. that There's only four levers that you can pull in your Google business profile that are actually going to help you rank, okay? Mm -hmm. Without going into too much detail over each one of these, the name of the business profile is one of the most powerful signals, unfortunately. Uh, however, getting the name of your profile to actually have keywords in it is extremely delicate. Mm -hmm. you, you must make sure that you're inside of the compliance of the Google guidelines. Otherwise, you'll suffer a suspension. We all say that word suspension a lot. Mm -hmm. So uh, so that's number one, name your business profile. Also, by adding keywords to your business profile increases the risk of suspension because there's going to be more than enough people out there like me which are going to look at your profile, not do the research, though, and report to you just for the heck of it, uh, which could trip up another signal, by the way. It doesn't actually have to be just the name. Secondarily, category it is who you are, not what you do. Very simple kind of statement. So who are you? You're a plumber. What do you do? You fix pipes. Okay. Plumber can be your category. Uh, restaurant I was just giving yesterday. I mean, an example I was giving yesterday. You're an Italian restaurant. You also offer desserts. Does that mean you're also a dessert store? The answer is no. You're not a dessert store. Dessert stores are reserved for dessert stores. Uh, also, restaurant would not be a subcategory because restaurant's already inherent in the fact that you have Italian restaurant as your primary category. So the goal is, is use the right categories that describes who you are, not what you do. Yeah. And that's totally fine. You're going to rank just fine. I also recommend you using a tool called Plepper, P-L-E-P-R, and it's free. And they have a category uh, tool, analysis tool, which when you go to Google Maps, will take the first 20 results and give you a score basically on how many percentage times people are using certain categories. So it gives you a little bit of competitive intel on what your competitors are using and you can choose the ones that are 10% or about basically. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, nice. Next thing is the review bumps. So review bumps occur at usually 10 and 100. There's no evidence past 100 by the way. And there's really har hardly any evidence about the 100 number, but the 10 number, there is evidence on that. 
So when you get your first 10 reviews, you get a ranking bump. Again, you might get one at 100. Otherwise, it's based on it's you get reviews for conversions. You don't get it for ranking, basically, unless you're looking at your rating, which rating actually does matter more than the number of reviews that you have. Um, and finally, well, not finally, additionally, the URL that you're pointing to, very small signal, but if it's pointing to a page which ranks better organically, it's going to help you just a little bit. And then finally, the services that you add to your Google Business Profile, which you can add as many as you want to, as you know, whatever time frame you want. These will gain ranking if they are relevant within 72 hours. And Joy has done studies on this. Darren's done studies on this. I've done studies on this. It's a real thing. It helps. It still works this very day, actually. So concentrate on services. Make sure they're relevant first. Add them, and then you'll see ranking within 72 hours. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to that, everything else is going to be based on conversion. So you're going to do a Google post for conversion. You're not going to use hashtags. You're not going to use links. You know, you're going to get reviews, again, from a conversion standpoint. People want to see recency of reviews. They want to see your reply to reviews. Keywords and reviews are not going to help. Keywords from customers, keywords in reviews from customers are not going to help. Images are going to help those reviews rank higher in the list. Videos will make them rank extremely high in the list, but will not impact your ranking. So again, conversion. Writing a good description and everything else, I like to say is, is basically don't stick keywords in all the things because it's not going to help you one little bit. Um, beyond that, you need to focus on your organic. You need to focus on links. You need to focus on content on your website, the authority of your website, the relevancy of your website. All of these things matter. Don't link to your Google business profile. That's not going to help. Don't upload images that have geotags in it or EXIF data. It's a waste of time. Go write some AI text instead. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> ben, what about uh, negative reviews? What to do? I think customers can have bad day. Uh, companies can have a bad day. So yeah. it happens. But uh, anyway, what to do? How to not to remove? How to handle these negative reviews? Okay. Well, let's talk about negative reviews in two separate parts. We'll mm -hmm. talk about it in the, the aspect of what happens when you get a real negative review. Mm -hmm. And then what happens when you get fake negative yeah. reviews. Okay. So, and sorry, no, you don't get to skate. You don't get to pass and say, well, this review I got here yesterday from John, it's a fake review. You know, he's our customer. It's a fake review. No, that doesn't work. Okay. So that's number one. Let's be honest with ourselves first. If we screwed up, learn from it, period. Respond to the review, try to turn that review into a positive review by actually making up for it and learn from it, internalize it, accept the fact that you made a mistake. Okay. Um, so just like in life, just saying, you know, so basically, so, okay, on that fact, let's say John leaves you a scathing negative review. Google, you know, you report it. Google will not remove it. So number one, reply. Be sympathetic, empathetic, listen to the complaint, internalize it, and then reply calmly and coolly. Go take a chill pill, basically. Don't get excited about it. Don't get emotional about it. Uh, even I've gotten negative reviews. They happen, okay? Sometimes they're right. 
But either way, do that first. Then, if you really, really, really care, you can always go back to somebody else who left you a positive review and say, hey, would you mind going and putting a period in your review or updating your review, please? What ends up happening is that review now becomes the number one review. Your negative review now goes down by one. And you can go back to the reply that you left before for that review, reply to that, just edit that reply. And what will end up happening is is now the review and the review reply appear to be brand new. They weren't left two years ago. It was actually left one minute ago. Uh, Rinse and repeat if you really want to push down the negative review. But just keep in mind one thing. As human beings, we want to see those negative reviews. We can't believe that a business is perfect. You know, so just understand that, is that the people who convert and rank the best have between a 4.2 and a 4.9 review rating. That's trust. This is what people trust. So when you go from a 5.0 to a 4.9, don't sweat it. I've had it happen myself. I went from a 5.0 to a 4.9, you know? And I've gotten probably 100 reviews since. It still hasn't gone back to a 5.0. Do you think I stress out about it? No, I don't. I really don't. I use it as a learning experience. So anyway, so before you push those down, think about that first. And of course, everybody who's listening to this is going to say, no, 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 I'm going to push them all down. I'm going to push it down, right? So uh, which is fine. So the secondary thing is, is that when you have a negative review, which is not written by an actual customer, now these are frustrating. It's especially frustrating when those reviews are being left by a competitor in mass. I'm talking more than two, basically. Anything one or two is not going to bug me, right? Two to 50? Yeah, that's going to bug somebody because it's going to bring your rating way down, which can affect all sorts of other things. So in that case, um, you really only have a couple choices. You can flag the review to try and get rid of it. Then you can basically report that review. There's a review tool that Google has. Okay, so that's two cho- That's two chances, basically, that you get. The third chance is going to be the only chance that you're going to have. And that's because if it's denied twice that way, is that you can go to the Google Business Profile community and you can report the review there. One of the product experts will take a look at it. If we feel like it's something that can be reported, we will. We'll escalate it to Google. And uh, then Google makes the final decision, basically, at that point. So those are the only things that you can do. Yeah. Uh, there are other problems with reviews that you know you, that that happen, and then probably one of the most frustrating is when Google will filter a review, and that means you've gotten a review, your customer's shown you that screenshot, but it doesn't show up on you. Mm-hmm. I just had one of these the other day. It pisses me off to no no end. Yeah, valuable. Yeah, I didn't. You, know? you remind me, Bill Gates. He <laughs> once he once said. Uh, the negative reviews are the biggest asset how to develop and innovate your products and company. (laughs) So if you get negative reviews, learn from these reviews. You know, these customers can tell you what to do, (laughs) what kind of problems you have. Just learn it. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. I didn't remember exactly the number, but customers uh, distrust brands that uh, have no negative reviews, so Correct. that's okay to have them. <laughs> you know, yeah. even Seth Godin wrote that uh, he stopped reading 
reviews on Amazon about his books since 2011 because he can't satisfy all people uh, and uh, uh, even uh, the best book uh, Harry Potter uh, by John Rowling uh, has 2% of one-star reviews uh, with the message is the worst book ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so people are still people, so that's okay. And uh, yeah, I agree. Just learn and go ahead. Okay, but I have final question about sure. your experience. I have students in my network who are looking for ways how to grow, how to learn, how to go ahead. And um, if someone wants to get recognition, to get this recognition from Google to become an expert one day. Uh, can you tell what will you do today if you started completely from scratch? What would I do today if I started completely from scratch? Yes, it's your first day in ASIO. <laughs> Forget about your skills, knowledge, everything. It's your first day. <laughs> so um, I guess my my biggest part, my biggest advice is this, is is dream about what you want to be mm -hmm. first, right? You need to visualize what you want to be and then you need to visualize why you want to be. So um, I'm actually a, what's a, called a mentor for Google business profile experts. So um, I bring a lot of people into the program or at least try to bring people into the program that want to be in the program. And, you know, a lot of, I'd say almost eight out of 10 that come into that come to this level or try to become a, part of the program are in it for selfish reasons and they want to do it for their business, which is by the way, doing it for your business is acceptable, right? It's that's not an acceptable answer, non-acceptable answer, but doing it for your business, but also wanting to help other people is extremely important. So starting from day one, you know, I'm finding out what I want to do and why I want to do it. That's number one. And if the, why I want to do it is just purely selfish, then I need to go figure out something else period, because it's not going to get far and people are going to also see through it, which means that the next step is just going to be basically fraught with zero results. Um, the next step is, is networking, getting to know the people that are in your industry, kind of like what you're doing, Anatoly, right? You're networking, whether you know it or not, you're networking. You're probably doing it on purpose to network, which is fine. And that is, is you're getting to meet people, you know, that are, that are in the industry, known in the industry. And this is going to end up unlocking possible future opportunities for you, right? But you're not doing it in such a way as, and I'm going to scratch your back and you scratch mine. You're just doing what you're doing because you enjoy what you're doing, right? And again, having ulterior motives is okay. It's as long as you're transparent about it. So um, so that's number two, is just network with your peers. And if you're networking with your peers in a transparent way, like I really want to get to know this person, right? Not I want this person to amplify me or share my stuff, you know, or do business with me. But actually you want to get to know them. You want to learn from them. That's a different story. So start networking. Um, beyond that, start to become a known expert in your field. How do you do that? One of the easiest ways to do it is know your shit. And I, mean, I say that with love, right? But the fact of the matter is this, is that if you can be known as a source of news, even a small source of news, like when I started out, the first thing I did was, and it happened almost accidentally, 
is that you know I started paying attention to little changes in the product in, in Google, right? Business profiles, GMB back in those days. And so I go on Twitter and I post about it. And then all of a sudden it's like one day, it's like Barry Schwartz. I started, you know, search engine land. Mm-hmm. Started picking up, you know, changes that I would notice to this very day. He does that. You know, so you just kind of get start to get known as somebody who has a pulse on the industry and, and you know, get known as somebody who's paying attention to that. Somebody else that somebody else can learn from. And then from there, you know, you're getting writing opportunities and you're getting webinar opportunities, kind of like this, right? And it just kind of starts to happen organically at that point. You know, um, as far as like the the product experts program, that's a little bit different. And there, again, you have to have good reasoning for why you want to be in the program. It can't just be for your business. Um, Because a lot of people think that there's all this power that goes behind it as far as like, you know, it's going to help your business kind of catapult you. No, that's not very true. It's everything that you do after that that actually helps you. So uh, by having this status alone, you know, it's it's nice status to have, of course, but it's harder and it's a lot of work. Um, And I find a lot of people just don't have that. They don't have that kind of energy, basically. They think it's cool, but they start nine out of ten fail um because it has to be very disciplined so you have to get into the community you got to help people you've got to answer people's questions you got to know your stuff um you can't just copy and paste you can't just use ai to answer questions you know because uh, trust me people have as soon as you know chat gpt came out we saw a whole bunch of low quality responses and we had a lot of users we got banned that we banned because of it you know yeah. we because uh, our community managers would reach out to them and say hey stop using ai for questions and answers you know stop doing that yeah. And so, um, but even then, even if you're involved, you know, you have to be very patient. Uh, Google has a very a six month to a one year cycle in where they look for new product experts. They usually look for new product experts. They usually ask us, hey, who should we, you know, consider basically? Um, so I get that question all the time. So, you know, usually some of the people that I'm mentoring will, will get chosen, which is nice. Sometimes they won't, you know? Yeah. So uh, anyway, long story short, that is the path I would take. Um, that is a path you can replicate in any industry. Nice. Yeah. You, you unhided my secrets about networking. Uh, I didn't expect <laughs> you can do it, but you did it. Yeah, guys, networking is great. Yeah, it's better to build your network. That's why yeah. I spoke with Neil Patel, with Rand Fishkin, Lily Ray, Ben Fisher, so I can learn from all of them. So you, you can do it as well. Just start your podcast. Uh, learn your shit, yeah. you know, like this. So why not? You can learn from blog posts. Uh, but the best way, of course, experience. Without experience, you can't go ahead. Uh, that's why I, I don't like to overlearn. I like to learn and test things, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. But the, re- the reason why I say it's a template that you can use in any industry is, is a lot, well, actually a lot of people don't know about this about me, but I've been in the video game industry for over 15 years. Ooh. So, and one of my big goals, you know, 15, 20 years ago was uh, two things. I wanted to go to E3, which was the entertainment expo in LA, right? Uh, I wanted to go hang out with people who made video games and I wanted to make a video game myself. So I started up a media company. It was called uh, XBLA Fans, and the, on one called The Game Reviews. And uh, ended up attending E3 over 15 times, which was fun. 
Uh, it gets kind of boring at the end. You know, E3, of course, is no longer around anymore, so oh well. But during that, I was able to network and meet all sorts of people from the gaming industry. So I was able, so we started up a, a basically a podcast. And the podcast was called Inside the Games. Mm-hmm. And Inside the Games, a whole purpose and mission was to interview everybody from the guy who does quality assurance in video games to the guy who is a CEO of a major AAA gaming company. And, uh, you know, like fall, like, you know, Bethesda, for instance, you know, or, you know, Atari. Um, <laughs> Atari. <laughs> anyway, so, but, uh, but, you know, but so we did, we, we interviewed, you know, everybody from like the, the Sega, you know, guy who does quality assurance, you know, to the guys who make Skyrim. Um, but what that was great for networking and through that networking, I was able to run into a great guy who does voice acting. I was able to run into a publisher. I was able to run into, uh, the game, the come, come some, uh, producers over Codemasters. And through all those connections, I was able to make a video game. Nice. So I was able to reach my goals, but just awesome. doing it through something like this. So, Hey, if you want to get to meet people, start up a podcast. Awesome. Great. I love it. So valuable. Uh, ben, tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow sure. you. Yeah. So the best place to follow me right now is on Twitter or X, formerly Twitter, That's whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, at the social dude is where I'm at. So you can always find me, of course, at steadydemand.com. I read every single email that comes through. So if you're trying to have Get in touch with me using our contact form is the best way to get in touch with me. Um, you know, you can find me at LinkedIn on LinkedIn. Just type in Ben Fisher. You can't you can't not run into me, I guess, is really the case there. So and then, of course, I write all over the place and I speak all over the place, too. So, again, kind of unmissable. But, yeah, I mean, if you're if you, if you are looking to start a SEO company, you need to add white label local SEO services. Give me a call. Hit, yeah. hit us up. We can definitely help you out there. Especially if you have problems with GBP, where we are the world-known experts on, you know, when it comes to reinstatements and just troubleshooting GBP in general. So feel free to get in contact. Happy to help. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, you can find all the links to X, to LinkedIn, to the website in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. So valuable. I recommend to anyone to follow Ben because you can see a lot of value. I personally follow because I need this valuable insights. And I recommend to anyone to follow. It's a big mistake if you ignore following and keep learning from Ben. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.